You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Lucinda Larnick. This is the WFHB Local News 4, Thursday, October 29th, 2020. Uh, So one of the things I would do immediately uh, as governor is to put in a mask mandate. Right now we have a mask suggestion in Indiana. Later in the program, we have a special broadcast on the news tonight. WFHB talked to Dr. Woody Myers, the Democratic candidate for governor of Indiana. Also, coming up in the next half hour, we have a testimonial on why you should support WFHB during our full fund drive. But first, your local news brief. From WFHB, this is the local news brief for Thursday, October 29th. I'm Jake Jacobson. 3,649 new cases of COVID-19 were reported in Indiana on Wednesday, according to the Indiana State Department of Health. That's a new daily high, eclipsing the previous daily high by nearly 1,000 cases. There were 33 newly reported deaths. Locally, Monroe County saw 26 new confirmed cases yesterday, while Lawrence County saw 22. Brown County reported no new cases. Indiana University theater and drama students will be protesting the continued employment of IU theater professor Murray McGibbon tomorrow afternoon. On Monday, an investigation published by the Indiana Daily Student revealed that IU had determined that McGibbon sexually harassed a freshman student in 2018. McGibbon received six sanctions as a result of the Title IX investigation, but ultimately still teaches theater at IU. Students will be meeting at the corner of 7th and Jordan tomorrow, October 30th, starting at 2 p.m. to protest the continued employment of McGibbon. If you enjoy listening to the daily local news, consider donating to WFHB. Local stations like WFHB are listener-supported and let volunteers like me learn the ropes of radio. Uh, I didn't go to school for journalism or for radio, I actually learned about the opportunity to volunteer at WFHB working at the retail store I managed downtown. So uh, for, for people like me who, who have always been interested in doing something uh, uh, like this, like being heard on the radio, getting on the ground floor and reporting on, on interesting stories, trying to find headlines, and even just like practicing how to write those headlines... WFHB has been a huge opportunity for me, and the reason that, you know, people like me can just walk in on a Wednesday and start to learn the ropes of radio is because people like you are very kind and supportive and recognize the importance of this kind of service in the community. To donate, you can give us a call at 812-323-1200 or visit wfhb.org and click on the Donate to WFHB button at the top left of the website. That's all for your local news brief. From WFHB, I'm Jake Jacobson. 
On Tuesday, October 13th, WFHB interviewed Dr. Woody Myers, the Democratic nominee for governor of Indiana. Initially, we reached out to all three campaigns for governor, but we were unable to ultimately reach Republican Governor Eric Holcomb or Libertarian candidate Donald Rainwater for respective interviews. However, we did hear back from the Dr. Woody Myers campaign. Dr. Myers was the state health commissioner from 1985 to 1990. He ran for Congress in 2008 but lost to incumbent Andre Carson. A recent poll showed that Myers trails his Republican opponent by 18 points with a 4% point margin of error. WFHB talked to Dr. Myers about his policy proposals on a range of issues facing Indiana voters. The coronavirus uh, pandemic is, is a global phenomenon unlike any we have ever seen. And uh, it's surpassing in both the economic costs and uh, severity, that of the, 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 the major flu uh, pandemic that occurred back in uh, in the early 1900s, uh, about 100 years ago. And it has been mismanaged in the United States from the beginning. Once we were aware of how the virus was being spread, we needed to shut things down much quicker than we did, uh, especially those situations where people congregated in large numbers, because that's what, what, what we were thinking was major a major cause then and now know. Uh, is and was a major cause of spread of this virus, uh, that we could have done a lot better job in, in protecting people from each other. Uh, because that's basically all the, the, the only major tool that we have today, and that's protecting uh, us from each other. The virus gets from person A to person B uh, only by being spread through the air or, or in, a, in unusual cases and rare cases by, by surfaces that are touched. Uh, and that's it. If you if you don't touch those surfaces or if you're protected when you do or if you don't breathe the same air uh, where the virus has been present, you don't get the disease. Uh, so uh, we just had need to use that knowledge appropriately and uh, make sure that we do all we can to keep people from spreading it to each other until we get a safe and effective vaccine that we could then distribute equitably in the population and then create an immunity whereby we are protected from infection. Uh, and then the virus will, will certainly diminish in its effect on us and, and, uh, and, and the society. We haven't done that. Uh, so one of the things I would do immediately uh, as governor is to put in a mask mandate. Right now we have a mask suggestion in Indiana. Uh, in, you know, there are some people who will do the right thing uh, and that's by just telling them why. Uh, and there are other people that uh, don't, appreciate the fact that there's a carrot and need a stick. Uh, and uh, those are the people, for instance, who wouldn't wear their seat belts and people who wouldn't put their kids uh, in car seats and, and people who wouldn't smoke their cigarettes in places that they couldn't hurt others. And so we put mandates in that, that push them to doing that. And that's what we've got to do now with a very small percentage of Hoosiers who are not wearing their masks and, and, and are flaunting it, unfortunately, uh, in front of other people. That's got to change. And in a myers Lawson administration, it will change. We'll respond to the science very aggressively, and we'll work with the new director of the Centers for Disease Control and the Food and Drug Administration to make sure that whatever advice that they're giving from a national perspective, we apply appropriately in Indiana. How embarrassing is it uh, that, that uh, Chicago is now banning Hoosiers? I mean, goodness gracious. Uh, they, they see our numbers going way up and they see that uh, we haven't taken the steps that they've taken and others have taken to control the pandemic. And so they say, please don't come here. Uh, that's just sad. Uh, and it's all avoidable. So in a Myers-Loss administration, we'll do things very differently. 
Indiana is now seeing a housing and eviction crisis. According to the National Low-Income Housing Coalition, as many as 313,000 Indiana households are at risk of eviction. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention issued a nationwide order to temporarily halt evictions, but it expires on December 31st. Dr. Myers mentioned what he would do to address Indiana's eviction crisis. People have been out of work for quite some time, many of them, or that they've been in situations where they had to take pay cuts or where they're not getting overtime anymore and they were depending on that or where they used to have three jobs or two jobs or now down to one job, if that. If that. And, and so all of those factors have weighed very heavily on the minds of some Hoosiers, uh, many of whom are, who are, are at or near the, the bottom of the uh, economic ladder and who are vitally concerned that here it is about to be, uh, we're about to enter an Indiana winter and we know what Indiana winters can be like. Uh, that they're being threatened with not just a, a potential eviction, but their heat and, and, and light being cut off, and they've got kids in the household, and they're just concerned. So this is an emergency. That's when government has to step up and do its job. And, and the number one job of government is to protect the people. And that's what we're going to do in Indiana. If I'm governor, we're going to protect the people. We're going to push our, our, our friends at the state, or excuse me, at the federal government very hard to help us. Uh, because the federal gar- government can offer resources that are, are not easy to offer at the state level. Uh, they can say, hey, look, uh, here's some help to get you through this pandemic. Here's some help that will help your, your renters in the state of Indiana, will help to cover some of the utility costs. And, and that help can be uh, provided directly uh, or through local government uh, to those individuals that are at risk or that are in need. And you could do cooperative agreements with the private sector, not-for-profit sector as well. That's what we're going to do. We're going to extend the moratorium. Uh, on evictions. Uh, we're going to make sure that uh, the utility bills uh, uh, are, are satisfied in a way that the utility companies can or don't cut the, the services off uh, for people who, who need them. Uh, we're going to protect people. That's what we're supposed to do. And that's what a Myers-Lawson administration will do. This summer, protests erupted over racial disparities within the justice system in Indiana. According to the American Civil Liberties Union, 34% of Indiana's incarcerated population is black as compared to 9% of the state's population. The ACLU also reported that black people are 3.5 times more likely than white people to be arrested for marijuana possession. Dr. Myers said he wants to build generational wealth for the black community. He also discussed some key components of his criminal justice plan, including body and dash cams for police officers and marijuana reform. He said he does not support legalizing recreational marijuana, but does see potential use in its medicinal properties. The number one thing we need to do in the African-American community is find ways to build generational wealth. Uh, find ways such that we're not living uh, as a community, uh, many of us, from paycheck to paycheck. Find ways to enhance educational opportunities. Find ways to uh, to make sure that our kids are, are moving in the right direction. But with respect to criminal justice reform, I know that we can do a better job in Indiana by providing dashboard cams and body cams to our officers and putting in implicit bias training, uh, making sure that people are aware that they do have, all of us have biases that we're unaware of, and make sure that that uh, we bring that to the surface. Uh, you know, sometimes people don't know that they're insulting other people or that they've said something or done something that, that is completely inappropriate. That's the kind of training that we need to make sure that everybody gets uh, so that we, we are, we're more sensitive and we're aware of that. Uh, in addition to that, we need to ban chokeholds and carotid holds. So that's not inappropriate completely, especially when you consider the fact that often they are employed when someone hasn't even been arrested, yet alone tried, 
yet alone convicted or sentenced. Uh, so it's almost like we're sentencing them before they're they're being arrested. I think there are many better ways uh, that the good officers know uh, how to get a situation under control that don't involve uh, using carotid holds. Uh, I know that uh, that uh, that the vast majority of officers uh, want to do the right thing and are doing the right thing every single day. But there's a significantly uh, there, and I don't want to say it's growing, but there's a percentage. I don't know what the number is of, of officers that shouldn't be in law enforcement, number one. And, and uh, if they are uh, and they and their records keep showing up with problems, uh, that ought to be publicly disclosed in a way that they can't go from from one department to another to another. Uh, I think that when there is a problem, there, there ought to be oversight uh, from an external entity. Uh, so that the public can kind of confidence in whatever the assessment was, pro or con, with respect to that officer's uh, uh, performance and or the allegations that were made against him or her. Uh, these are the elements of our criminal justice reform plan. And one more that I, I do want to point out that I think is important, and that's that uh, we've got to make sure that we change our, our, our view of uh, simple possession for cannabis. Uh, we It's time. Uh, simple possession uh, uh, means that uh, when you have small amounts for personal use, that that ought not to be a priority for our law enforcement. That's not something we want to put somebody in jail about uh, in 2020 or 2021 or 2022. Uh, it, it's time to change our policy. And then it's also time, in my view, to legalize uh, med med medical marijuana. I, I am not yet ready to say yes on uh, re recreational. I think that there are a lot of issues that truly should be solved at the federal level and some research is being done that will be accelerated under Biden and Harris to make that happen. But I do think we're ready to take the pretty big step for Indiana, and that's the decriminalization for simple possession uh, and uh, instituting uh, laws that will allow medical marijuana to be prescribed. Uh, I know that uh, there are people in our medical community that believe very strongly, as do I, that in certain medical conditions, such as complex seizure disorders, especially for children, uh, and through anorexia, wasting syndromes that we see in patients with HIV and other chronic diseases, that that uh, THC, which is one of the cannabinoids uh, uh, that's found in marijuana plants, can be useful, as well as CBD, uh, another one of the cannabinoids. So the research that's being done on these uh, substances is growing uh, every single day. I, I try to keep up with it. And I know that uh, there are very, very valuable uses, but it's not as simple as a lot of people think. Uh, oh my gosh, no one has ever been harmed by using marijuana. Well, that's not exactly true. There are certain situations that we need to be very concerned about, especially today, since the concentration of THC in plants is so much higher than it's been in the past. So those are things that uh, I think uh, we have to keep aware of and the changes that I want to make. And, and I believe by doing that, uh, we're going to help everyone in the state, especially uh, the disenfranchised communities uh, uh, that with, with respect to criminal justice reform, uh, like the African-American community. The Hoosier Environmental Council writes that combined with the absence of meaningful economic and political opportunities, low-income communities and communities of colour encounter barriers to health and sustainability not faced by more affluent communities. Myers touched on how he plans to address environmental injustice in the state of Indiana. Well, environmental injustice has been particularly uh, 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 worrisome and acute in, in, in many communities of color, but it's a problem that we have throughout the state uh, as well. You know, we, we, we're lucky in Indiana that we have a water table, which means that we have water in most places relatively uh, a short distances under the earth that we can access, and that's a good thing. I've lived in states for a while that didn't have that, where water is a fighting word <laughs> because the uh, one state's trying to take another state's water and people are mad about it all the time. 
Uh, we also have Lake Michigan. We have the Ohio River. We have Lake Wabash River. We have a, a variety of water sources. The problem is that we keep putting stuff in the water that shouldn't be there and that's harming us. And that, that means that there are a lot of abandoned factories, a couple of current ones, but mostly abandoned factories that where they're leaking toxic substances that were sort of thrown out in the ground and they are now leaking into the water supply that we don't want anybody to drink, especially folks with immune system problems or kids. Uh, and then in some of our bigger farms, uh, they're not paying as enough attention to the overflow of the excrement that's created on the farm. And what that means is that uh, coliform bacteria and nitrates get in the water supply, and that's not good. I don't need to go into a lot of detail to tell you that's not a good thing to have happen. Uh, we don't want our water supply polluted in, in that way. And so these are just a few examples. There, there are some uh, folks that are very concerned about water supply in their parts of the state. We have to have better ways to investigate those concerns quickly when something arises. Uh, and I'm, I know that uh, we'll be able to work in a Myers-Lawson administration uh, uh, quickly with the uh, with the CDC and the Environmental Protection Agency to 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 very quickly investigate any allegations that there are water problem supplies and and we have to work on our air as well. We have uh, we have uh, we uh, too many uh, plants that are still burning coal to generate electricity in Indiana. It is it is moving towards renewables, but not fast enough. You know. Uh, I, I want more solar. I want more turbines. And, and, and uh, I want the state of Indiana to be a leader in renewable energy. And if I elected governor, you'll see that uh, we'll put them in our state properties uh, and use it, utilize them there for um, purposes of generating power so that we reduce our utility bills and any power that we have left over, we should supply to the local governments. And no, I'm not going to put them in the middle of a state park. <laughs> that's that's not the right place. But there are a lot of other places where we can put them and, and they can be quite successful. And that's a, that's a strategy that I want to utilize uh, uh, for our state going forward. Uh, I want us to be a leader in, in in this arena, and it'll generate jobs. I mean, our economy uh, is uh, has been negatively affected by COVID in so many different ways, and I just know that uh, if we if we come if we become a leading manufacturer of solar panels and wind turbines and so on, we not only can we use them here in Indiana, but we can ship them to those guys next door <laughs> over in Ohio or in Michigan up uh, up in the north or in Illinois or Kentucky. I mean, I think they they could uh, probably uh, become a good market for us as well. According to research by the Institute of Women's Policy, Indiana women's economic status ranked 43rd in the nation. The report said Indiana women will not see equal pay until the year 2082 if current trends continue. We asked Myers how he would support women in the workforce in Indiana. Well, first of all, we're going to uh, uh, say to the people of our state, uh, we're going to be fair. Uh, we're going to be equitable. We're going to point out discrepancies, and we're going to help uh, solve them. Uh, not every problem can be solved by government, but by golly, we can lead the discussion. We can lead the charge in making sure that we we actually put real energy and effort into getting them solved. Uh, it'll take uh, state and local government and the private sector working together to make it happen, but that's something that we'll do. Uh, I know that uh, that uh, women uh, who put in a, a good day's work ought to get the same pay as men do. Uh, and if there's ever any situation, especially as it relates to government, where that's not happening, we've got to fix it and figure out what the underlying root cause was so that it doesn't ever happen again. Uh, and we're going to show Hoosiers that uh, our uh, administration uh, reflects the the diversity of our state. And, and if, that, if we do that, that means there are going to be a lot of women uh, in, in roles of leadership, uh, not just in the jobs that I appoint uh, as governor, uh, 
but in the boards and commissions and task forces and all the things that government uh, uh, organizes to help uh, get the work done uh, for the people of this country, of this of the state and of this country. Uh, and you're going to see uh, my appointments uh, reflect that uh, quite a bit. Uh, and I'm going to campaign for women. Uh, we need uh, more women in the Indiana General Assembly, uh, both in the House and the Senate. By the way, my lieutenant governor candidate, uh, who uh, is a who is a woman uh, who was a former uh, legislator, I'm sure will will hold me to that. Not that she would need to, uh, because uh, we would certainly like more Linda Lawsons. Uh, uh, appearing in, 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 in vitally important roles uh, in the House and the Senate uh, for the state legislature as well. So that's just a, a sampling of what we'll do. We'll, we'll put in pregnancy accommodations. Uh, you know, it, it's incredible to me that uh, there are still some employers that don't understand uh, uh, the, the, the difficulty that women face. Uh, guys don't know what it be, is like to be pregnant. Now, you know, I'm a doctor and I, I learned a lot about pregnancy uh, in, uh, in the medical school and in, in my training, but I can tell you, I don't know uh, what they know uh, about what, and, and you don't know what they know about what it's like to be about like being pregnant. Uh, and, and I can guarantee you that uh, it's it's not something that most guys would ever survive, uh, but it is something that we can do, uh, make it easier for women uh, uh, to deal with uh, by providing more accommodations and. And then after the baby is born, I mean, things like lactation rooms. I mean, moms that want to breastfeed, that's the right thing from a healthcare standpoint. Moms that want to breastfeed and need to, to, to uh, express milk and pump during the day, uh, uh, we've got to make sure that there is the right opportunity in a clean setting. It's not, we don't want women going into the ladies' restroom, sitting in a, in a stall, having to pump milk. That's just nuts. We can... We can find new ways to make sure that it's done in a clean environment, a, a, a safe and protected environment, uh, so they're not that they're not uh, disturbed. Uh, and I just think that's just common sense to make it uh, make it uh, clear that uh, we care about uh, the health of the the worker, the woman, and her child. And, and that's something that we'll advocate for, and we'll make sure it happens in all state in all, in all state uh, offices as well. Finally, Myers closed by talking about the future of Indiana's economy, including a discussion on manufacturing, electric vehicles and broadband internet for rural areas. Economic security uh, is, is vitally important to everyone. Uh, we, we are in the midst of a, of a recession. Now, my opponent doesn't like to use the R word, but yeah, that's what the economists call it. Uh, when you have a dramatic increase in unemployment and when you have uh, businesses that are shutting down, uh, and when the tax revenues go way down, it's called a recession. And so we've got to deal with it because it's going to be here probably for a couple of years. And what I would want to do differently is focus in on the creating jobs in those areas where, where the pandemic has had least le- less impact and that have a likely possible probability of growing. I've said from the be- very beginning, why shouldn't Indiana become a center for the manufacture of PPE? personal protective equipment, the masks, the gowns, and so on that are required in order to do a good job of protecting yourself as a first responder, a doctor, a nurse uh, during a, a clinical examination. Uh, some of the schools are using them in various situations as well. Uh, and, and you know, this is not, unfortunately, this is likely not to be our last pandemic. Uh, so we need stockpiles of PPE around so that when it hits again, they were ready to go instead of having to scramble and pay enormously elevated uh, prices uh, in order to get the equipment that we, we should have uh, readily and easily available. And even today, there's still some healthcare settings that are having trouble getting it. So I think that's uh, one of the things that the Myers-Lawson administration will really push hard on. 
I, and then there are the, the 21st century jobs that I want to target as well, making Indiana a center. Uh, you know, one of the things I, I, I pay a lot of attention to the auto industry, and, uh, and so does the, the CEO of Ford Motor Company, the CEO of General Motors, and the CEO of Fiat Chrysler. And one of the things that they've, I'm sure, and I've noticed is that the, te- the Tesla people seem to be doing all right these days. Uh, there was a lot of, nah, they're never going to do this. Uh, but they're doing okay. Their stock is not doing badly at all. Uh, Elon Musk is f- fixing up his battery technology, and it's a very popular vehicle in many states. Uh, now, uh, there's still some challenges, but I think electric vehicles are coming uh, very quickly, probably too quickly for many, uh, too quickly for the folks that, that run gas stations, I'm sure, because uh, it'll mean that the consumption of gasoline per- perhaps will, will go down over time. Uh, and that'll have implications for us with respect to the gasoline tax in Indiana and other states. So we have to figure out what the alternatives are there as well. But electric vehicles uh, uh, are interesting because they need to be made and manufactured in plants that are different from the plants that are doing the internal combustion engine. And I want those plants in Indiana. I want to find a way to call up the uh, CEO of, of GM and Ford and Chrysler, Fiat Chrysler and say, hey, look, let's, let's, let's talk. <laughs> let's find ways to bring those new jobs. Uh, because those electric vehicles are going to be around for quite some time. And let's get the uh, foothold right now today when those decisions are being made about where to locate these facilities. And let's get them right here because we are already an auto state. Uh, we, we do very well in that industry. And that's one of the ones that I want to target. And so finding the, the industries to target, finding the ins- right kind of incentives, incentives to create. And then finally, let me just say a word about economic development in rural areas because the rural areas are, are feeling left out and, and the, the number one uh, tool to bring more economic development to rural areas is, guess what? Broadband internet services. My opponent keeps telling that he's put $100 million into grant programs. But what he doesn't tell you is that there are all kinds of restrictions on w- who can get the grant reprogram. And if, if there's some exclusivity deal that's been made with a big company that they get dibs on all the internet in a given geography, then you can't put the grant there. I mean, all of these problems are solvable. Let's get competition in, in, into ma- making sure that the internet is available in every single county in Indiana. You know, there's somewhere around 80,000 plus or minus kids that still today in the time of a global pandemic don't have Internet available to do their schoolwork because it doesn't exist for them. I mean, that's just wrong. Let's fix that. My goodness gracious. The Internet has been around 30 years. It's no longer a luxury. It's a necessity. It's a requirement. It's a utility. Let's start treating it as one uh, in Indiana. Let's make it available to everyone. And that will really help the rural areas because if you're a, a new business, are you going to locate in an area that doesn't have great internet? I don't think so. Uh, you, you, your, your employees are going to need to get medical care. Uh, the, what are we doing with the, the internet today? We're providing telehealth services increasingly every, every single day. Uh, many new companies are being developed just for telehealth. Uh, we, we, you pay your taxes, your bills on the internet. Uh, and your kids are going to school on the internet. Uh, for, forget getting your, your your Netflix or your Hulu or all the other services that you want. All of, all of that is to say that the internet has become vitally important, especially in rural areas where we don't have it today. And that's one of the major things that I will do to spur economic development. And that concludes our interview with Dr. Woody Myers, Democratic candidate for governor. Again, we reached out to all three candidates for governor, but we are only able to land an interview with Dr. Myers. We now turn to a testimonial on why you should support WFHB during our full fun drive. 
WFHB News is volunteer-driven, but also listener-supported. Here at WFHB, it costs us about $7,000 a week to provide our community with groundbreaking local news. Now, if we could raise just $288 during this show, right now, we could provide WFHB with the funds to bring you two full weeks of groundbreaking local news. Visit WFHB.org right now to make your contribution. WFHB is more important today than ever before. Help us rise up to the challenge of being a local, independent news source by increasing your membership or donating for the first time. So go to WFHB.org and click on the red Donate button to make your donation today. We appreciate your support. You've been listening to the Daily Local News on WFHB. Today's headlines were written by Jake Jacobson, And our feature was produced by Cade Young. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. For WFHB, I'm Lucinda Larnick. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast, as well as all other WFHB news programming online at WFHB.org. You can be part of our award-winning news team. For more information about joining our volunteer team of citizen journalists, email news at wfhb.org. Stay tuned for Big Talk, coming up next on WFHB.